Hi, I'm Bob Switzer, and this is the Epic Narrative. Well, here we are again in my beautiful basement, continuing the story. When last we left, it was uh, it was just a it was a bad day. <laughs> It was ugly. It was, um, if you remember, Saul had decided that, you know, out of, out of, Saul decided on his identity based in pride and his identity was going to be a tyrant. Like, this is who I am. I am an unstoppable force. I am an, uh, you cannot question me. You know, a lot of times when people search for their identities, they, they choose things that they think are powerful and will be, will be, ex, you know, accepted. They'll, that they'll be, um, not accepted as in like super popular, but accepted without question. Because questions to somebody who's dealing with, with pride and self-rejection issues, questions are questions regarding anything they they take offense to right they feel hurt they feel like you're questioning who they are not you're not i mean it, <laughs> you're not you're just questioning a decision or you're you're asking for more explanation but to somebody who deals with pride and and self-rejection stuff which is honestly most of us um, at least at some at some level all of us I, I deal with this but when when you're when you're deep in it, like Saul is, like he keeps doubling down because he he doesn't want to he doesn't want to ever admit that he's wrong, which is an issue, right? That's part of the part of the qualities of being of struggling with self rejection. He uh he just keeps he just keeps doubling down, and here he is again. You know, he he goes after all of the uh, priests, Nob. He wipes out the village. Technically, Doag does it, but but we you know it's it's Saul he's like okay this is who i am i'm going to be an unquestioned tyrant at least then nobody will question me like i can't i can't be exposed as a fraud i can't be exposed as somebody who who can't figure out who he is who can't who can't uh, you know uh, who can't be himself so uh, i think Jonathan recognizes this, and as, and as uh, I think David does as well, as as intense as Saul is on being this tyrant, David and and Jonathan look at Saul, and I believe God looks at him as well and says, "Yeah, we don't, we're not buying it." So so Saul keeps protecting this image that he, that he's put together as the image that you need to have if you're going to be a king of a country that's going to be respected around the world and David and Jonathan are like yeah still not buying it we know what you're doing we know what you're doing is terrible but we're not buying that it's your identity that's a that's honestly a beautiful perspective to have on people when you see their identity better than they do and they keep acting out of a false identity they keep they keep uh you know uh pushing this 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 identity on you and you just keep smiling and saying yeah I don't I'm not buying it that's that's a beautiful thing so David David is uh if you remember David's in the wilderness uh 
the the one of the priests that did escape, one of the sons of the high priest, he comes and hangs out with David. His name is Abathar. Abathar stays with David for years, all the way to the end. It's it's a it's a beautiful connection, and and David greatly values his um, interaction with with heaven. It, it, it basically it, it's a comfort place for David. He knows that he can go to a to a high priest, somebody who's trained and acknowledged by heaven to be stay connected to heaven. He now has him in his camp. Remember, now, this is something that Saul doesn't have. Not because Saul couldn't have, but Saul doesn't because Saul chooses not to. Saul chooses to separate himself from God because he probably feels rejected by God, even though he's really just rejecting himself. But you can't blame yourself for what you've done to yourself, so you've got to blame somebody else. And David is the human that represents all the problems, and God is the reason why there's problems, because God's on David's side as far as Saul is concerned. So David is in the wilderness. He's probably got about 600 men at this point. Uh, according to this part of the story, 600 men that are fighting men. He's got an army of 600 men, which is significant in an agrarian society that is not known for huge armies. I mean, I, I do know that we've had several battles here. We, they, you know, 100,000 men are, are there. But but most people agree that's that's probably not an actual count. It's just it's just a way that that um, that writers would have said, man, there were there were just more people than you can imagine. Like basically, the whole nation showed up. But that doesn't mean that they're trained fighting men. It just means they were all called up. All the men were called up to sh to put together a show, which is why they all run when the battle starts starts turning. They're not they're not warriors. They're conscripted, uh, required to be there, or they die. And then when they're about to die, they just run so they don't die. Like that's their goal. Anyway, so David's got six hundred men. This is this is a this is legit. They are legit trained fighting men. And, and David uh, was told that the Philistines were up against a city called Keilah. Keilah? Keilah. Keilah? Either way. Anyways. And they are, uh, so, so Keilah was, was a city in Judah. Now Judah had, was, was a, a part of the southern two tribes. And that was the tribe that, that David was from. And Saul had been ignoring this tribe because David was from that tribe. David's family was from that tribe. He did not want anything to do with David. He had cut David off from the palace. He was cutting Judah off from any any help from the uh you know from the nation. This was this was something the whole their whole tribe was going to pay for being connected to David. So the Philistines are attacking a city in Ju in, in Judah. It's a fortified city which means there's there's, there's, uh, there's, it's significant, and the Philistines are coming up against it because if the city, if that city falls, then basically all the villages, all the little groups of huts and and farmers and and all of the land would fall as well, because the fortified city was where everybody would run when they were under attack, and then they'd be safe. So they're looking to take it out, and they're they're looting. 
as much as they can all around the city. They're looting the threshing floors, so they're taking grain, they're taking uh, livestock. This is this is significant, and Saul's not doing a thing. There's no protection coming from the from the capital city. So David goes to God. He inquires of the Lord. He says, "Should I go attack these Philistines?" And the Lord said, "Yes, go save the city. Stand up against injustice. Go after the people that are." that are killing the innocent. So David and his men, or David, sorry, David gathers his men and he says, all right, we're going to go. God says we're going to go. And the men say to David, uh, I don't think so. I think this is funny. Because you see, David did not create an environment in which he was an unquestionable leader. He was not an unquestionable dictator. David has trained these men to fight. He's provided for them uh, protection in the wilderness. He's, he's, he's provided for them food, shelter. He, he's kept their family together. Remember, these are men that were, that were distressed, that they were in debt, they were ex-convicts, they were in trouble with, uh, with Saul. There's all kinds of problems in these people's lives that David has taken on the responsibility of being their leader and and solving most of these problems at some level everybody's doing good and david says all right guys we're going to go and we're going to def- we're going to defeat the philistines at Keilah. and they say no they said we're, we're we're afraid now like we hide in the woods if we go up against against Keilah, we're going up against the philistine forces like we're going to be exposed to an actual enemy and we already have an enemy and this is this is a beautiful thing about uh, that, that we see again about David's leadership. He doesn't just defend his position. He doesn't just yell back at him and say, "Well, you guys are not committed to the vision. You guys are, or you guys are not committed to, I, to God." I said, "The Lord told us to go up and attack the Philistines." Do you understand? Where's your commitment? <laughs> Oh, man, so many times I heard, no, not so many, a few times. Well, I've heard, I heard a lot of people in ministry do this. They make a decision, they announce the decision, and they just assume everybody's on board because, well, we're all a team here. We're we're all family. (laughs) And, and. And it's, uh, this. I don't know. I'm not saying they're all evil dictators like Saul was. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying there is a, there is a mentality that just, that just assumes if I'm in leadership, everyone should follow me. If I've made a decision, it's a decision we all agree on because I made it and I'm in charge. So, therefore, it's unquestionable. And if you do question me, I'll be shocked and amazed. <laughs> and sometimes... Some of those those mindsets, they also get, um, they may get offended, and some of them get angry, and sometimes people lose jobs over it. There's lots of options, but generally speaking, David did not create that type of environment. His men questioned him. They were like, we, we don't think the Lord told you that. So he goes back to the Lord. He's like, uh, so basically, God, I need to, like, I need to confirm this because nobody else is... Uh, Nobody else is agreeing with this, which is often a good sign. Like, that's a good reason to go back to God. Like, if you if you believe God's leading you to do something, God's told me to quit my job and, and go somewhere. And 
and nobody else around you is for it, it's probably a good a good idea to go back to God and say, can you can you clarify this? Can you make something really? Could you allow like somebody to agree with me? Because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I was convinced nobody else seems to see it. This is a good pattern. And honestly, a lot of people who, who have, you know, who, who live their life with the direction of God, I, I it's, it's, uh, it's not a bad pattern for them to pick up on. Because sometimes when you learn to hear the voice of God, or, uh, uh, and, and, and it does take, an awareness. It takes an awareness to hear the voice of, of God. It just does. It's like the old style radios. You you can tune yourself into all kinds of music, but you know all kinds of talk shows, all kinds of of influences. But you can also tune yourself in to the voice of God. And some people, when they tune in, it's so exciting that they don't think they don't think they can ever be wrong. And they don't think any decision should ever be made except by consulting God. And that's an extreme that is also ridiculous because, because it takes away the freedom that God gives us to make decisions. In the New Testament, right, Bible says, and, and Jesus says, you have the mind of Christ. I, oh, sorry, Paul says that. You have the mind of Christ. He's like, you have heaven's viewpoint. You have heaven's perspective available to you. Just make a decision. You don't need to go to Holy Spirit and say, what what shirt should I wear today? What pants should I wear today? Ooh, those don't really go together. But you commanded, so I will obey. For I am your abject servant. I will not disobey. You told me to walk sideways. You told me to walk backwards. You told me to... It's I, I, I admire... I've met, I've met people like this. Like, I'm not making this up. If you're listening to this and you're going, there's no way. No, it's true. It's true. I've met people like this. Holy Spirit told me to give my car away. Really? I thought you told me Holy Spirit told you to also get this job. How are you going to get to the job without the car? Holy Spirit will provide a way. Oh, my gosh. All right. Okay. Have a great day. Did you check this out with anybody? No, no, no. I don't need to. Holy Spirit told me. Oh, boy. This ought to be fun. Here is David, lover of God, connector of the in the heavens, mystic mystical amazing experiences in the fields of of shepherding deep worship experiences with an awareness of God's presence that that few if any have equaled at this point in the in history it's he's an amazing man and when he presents an idea that the Lord told him to go to Keilah and go up against the Philistines and his men push back, David goes back to the Lord and says, can we just confirm this? I just think this is awesome. So David and his men go to Keilah. They fought the Philistines, carried off their livestock, and inflicted heavy losses on the Philistines and saved the city. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. This is awesome. Now that's this battle doesn't you know this battle takes some time like you got to get to Keilah. You have to observe the forces of the Philistines. They are stealing livestock. They are they are stealing grain. They are stacking it up. David David does recon with his men. They decide what you know what's the best way to attack them. They see the weak points in their defenses. Philistines don't know that they're there because they're looking for an army to to be put together by Saul in the capital city and come and come south, so all those roads are being watched, but they're not watching the 
you know, a, a, a bunch of a bunch of nomads that are living in the woods. They definitely don't know David's there, or they would have they would have been you know aware uh, protecting against it because nobody nobody messes with David. They don't care if David shows up alone. They've seen what David can do alone. They don't mess with David. They don't know David's anywhere near them, which is bad on their part. So David did, does all the recon, you know, over the looking over the hillsides, the dirt, the dust, the the sun, the it's it's awesome. Right. And then and then and then they attack. They come riding down on their donkeys, their horses. They come running. They attack the Philistines. They wipe out the Philistines. They take all the livestock uh, that the Philistines, the raiders have been taking. And they actually take it for their for their own people because Kila was all was all set. They were in the fortified city. And and the 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 high his high priest, Abathar, uh, a son of the high priest was there he brought the ephod with him so they knew that that god had confirmed the word twice so the so the men fought with confidence that the, that god was with them and that doesn't that doesn't mean no one dies and that's you know that's another awesome little thing right it doesn't mean no one dies it just means that they know that 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 god's with them it doesn't guarantee victory. It just you just know that that God is with you. There's a confidence and a hope that you fight from. So David takes over the city, and it would make sense that if you protect the city and you win the battle and the city celebrates you, it's a fortified city. It's in your home tribe area. Like there's so many issues that that get solved if if this is your city, if you now, in essence, move in to this city. So Saul is told that David had gone to this, this city, that God had delivered him. And, 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 and sorry, he go, it says David's gone into the city. Not that David, uh, you know, attacked and won a victory against the Philistines, but David's gone into the city. David's in a, in a place that we can find. David's in a place where he's going to be trapped. And immediately, Saul has a God experience. Oh, God has delivered him into my hands, for David has imprisoned himself by entering a town with gates and bars. And Saul called up his forces to battle to go down to Tequila and besiege David and his men. Saul did not call up his forces to battle when the Philistines were attacking the city. Saul wasn't interested in protecting the city. Saul was interested in in destroying David. And he hears that David's in a fortified city, and he's, his thought is David's made a made a rookie move. David's made his mistake, and I will capitalize on this. David has locked himself into a city with bars and gates. It doesn't mean that there was like a, a super high wall. It wasn't like the you know, it, it it just it was a city that had basic protections. And David's in there, and Saul hears about it, and Saul's like, "This is this is God." Remember, I remember all the way back to the first time that he threw a spear at David, and I believe, uh, you know, he did it actually twice in that one session. And I really believe that he he believed the fact that he missed David. It was God telling him that 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 he wasn't allowed to kill David. Now that's a that's a that's a kind of a cultural nuance and 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 I covered that extensively in that 
in that podcast, but here he is. He sees he he's basically sees David uh, having made a mistake. His six hundred men are now sitting in in a city. They are they are locked down at night. The city is uh, you know uh, providing them with probably housing and food and and thanking them for saving them. Everything like that's going on. They they're they're family because they're part of the tribe of Judah. And Saul's like, this is the will of God. I can now go destroy this man. It's it's interesting to me because this happens all through life. People look at the same circumstance so differently, and they both give God credit for the circumstances. David goes into the city and he's thinking, This is awesome. I'm I you know, maybe this is maybe this is where God wants us. Maybe maybe we get a fortified city. Maybe we live out of here. Maybe we operate out of here. Everybody will leave us alone. Saul clearly doesn't you know concern himself about Judah. He doesn't care about this city. Maybe we're good here. But Saul is all the way up in there going, Hey, this is awesome. The one man I want to kill is now in a place where I can get to him. This must be the will of God. This is why it's so important to interact with God. It's and to interact and to take those those things that God has given you is and interact with others and see if it's confirmed, so to speak. And see if it's if it's encouraged, see if there's hope, see if there's life, see if there's if there's restoration. These are the things that the voice of God will bring. He's not going to bring, you know, uh uh internal destruction he's not going to bring depression he's not going to bring separation he's not going to bring instability i I see people that are that are locked quote locked into the holy spirit and and you would think holy spirit was like um like a a, i don't i don't know what do i want to say what do i I want to say just yanking them around like a like a like a a toy a a dog a, a chew toy for a for a you know a uh a hyper dog, like just being racked back and forth and running all over the place. I don't think I don't think God does that. I do think He calls people to move. You know, I'm not saying no one should ever move. I've moved many times in my life, but they have been confirmed and clear and conversated about. It's not a flippant decision. So when David learned that Saul was plotting against him, because again, you don't you don't call up an army for battle quickly. David hears it that an army is being put together and that Saul's putting to, you know putting calling people to the capital city and then he finds out that he's plotting against them. This tells me that Saul has contacts in the city. Saul has contacts that are allowing him information to know what what's going on back at back of the capital city. He hears through servants, through shepherds, through who knows what, but he has a network that lets him know what Saul is doing. And he finds out that Saul is putting together an army, but not to attack the Philistines, but to come attack him, which I'm sure for David is like, really? You couldn't put together an army to protect a city that belongs to the nation, but you can put together an army to come after me. Wow. So David says, Lord God of Israel, your servant has heard definitely that Saul plans to come Tequila and destroy the town on account of me. So I want to know what to do. Are the citizens of Keilah going to surrender me to him? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? Tell me what's going on. 
He wants a confirmation. He asks basically yes or no questions because that's how the ephod would work. It was, uh, sorry, I just had, I need a sip of coffee. It's early morning right now, not even 6 a.m. And we're 30 minutes, almost 30 minutes into this story. So that's how the ephod would work. So you needed to ask yes or no questions, and the Lord would, would work the stones around so that you would know what was going on. I know it's weird. I know it's weird. It's mystical. It's magical. It's awesome. But that's how you got definitive answers from the Lord. So he asked two specific questions. Will these, you know, will the citizens turn me over to him? And is Saul actually coming down like I heard? So clearly he he is he is living currently in the city. He's been there for weeks. And in the city, the people of the city are deciding where their loyalties lie. David hears that Saul is on his way. He's putting together an army to come to the city and attack him, and he wants to know because he probably has a sense while he's sitting there in the, in the city and interacting with the elders and interacting with with the people that not everybody in that city is is happy with him being there. So he says, what, "What's going to happen? Will they surrender me?" In other words, when you know when Saul comes down and lays, lays siege to the city, he's not going to blow it up or or anything like that. He's just going to encircle it with an army. And he's going to say, We're, no one here is going to live for that long. We'll just sit here until you send David out. He's like, will the people eventually send me out? Will they turn me over? Will they, will they push me out of the gate and, and hand me over to, my, to, to Saul? And the Lord said, yes. And he said, is he coming down? And the Lord said, yes. Wow. They will turn surrender you and your men. So that was the next question. Well, what about my men? No, they're turning. They will. Now, it doesn't this is this goes back to the sovereignty of God, right? Was God saying that He was going to orchestrate this and force this to happen? That if that if David didn't leave the city, he would he would make sure this happened. No, God's saying that God understands. All possible things. And he knows the probability of them. And he's able to predict what people would do. And so when David asks these questions, God's not saying, yes, I'm going to make this happen. I will, I'm going to make sure you're turned over to Saul. And I'm going to make sure your men are turned over to Saul if, if you stay in the city. Because you're not supposed to stay here. And I'm going to get really angry and basically make sure you and your 600 men die if you don't obey me. Now leave the city. That's not how, that's not how not, you know, that's just not how God operates. So David and his 600 men leave the city, and and it says they keep moving from place to place. So this is really when the wanderings start. David and his 600 men are, are now on the road. Why? Because they know if they, if they go back to the wilderness where their families are staying, they put all of their families in jeopardy. So, so they make the decision, let's just go on the run. Let's, let's, Go on the run. We'll make do in the wilderness. We'll make sure our families are protected. We'll we'll send them all of the livestock and the grain and 
and the spoils of, of you know, defeating the Philistines. We'll make sure that they're well provided for, but we're going to go on the road. We're going to go on the road and see what happens because staying in the city will, will mean sure death for us. And when Saul hears that David had escaped, I love that. When he hears that he has escaped from Keilah, he didn't go down. He didn't head down there. So it wasn't even worth, I mean, it's, it's, it wasn't that it wasn't worth the time. Like he has no interest in protecting that city. His only interest is, is in destroying David. Now, I also want to take a look at this. <clears throat> Sorry, I took a little break there. Um, I also want to look at this. So many, uh, because this is, this could have also happened. David could have looked at the victory at Keilah and said, all right, God told me to go protect the city. I protected the city. He gave us a victory. We've moved into the city. Clearly, this is where God wants us, and this is where we're going to stay. And when he heard that, that Saul was on his way, he could have said, God has preordained us to be at this city. We are in a fortified city. Guys, we are in the perfect position for, for Saul to come attack us. We, God, you know, this is all God's will. And he could have, a, he could have just, he could have just moved forward. He didn't, he didn't have, well, not that he didn't have to. He, he did the right thing in inquiring of the Lord because it was wiser to leave the city. Because if he hadn't led the city, he would have been captured and or killed by, by Saul because the men of the city would have eventually turned him over to Saul because they would not have wanted to have a long, drawn-out siege on their city. So here is, here is you know, David but doing the right thing and asking of God, but there's so many people who when God gives them a victory, they stop. They stop talking. They stop talking to God. God gets them the job, and they stop talking to God. God, uh, you know, helps them sell their house, or or works on a move, or or you know, open, opens the door to a new ministry, and they start it, or they get involved, and they they show up there, and they they take, you know, so they hear some opposition coming, and rather than go to God and say, should we keep, should we keep it, or should we let go? They just assume that because God gave it to them, they're never supposed to let it go. I know earlier, I know earlier I talked about the fact that some people check in with God so often that it looks like God's yanking them around like a like a toy on a like a like a dog toy in in a in a, in a hyper dog's mouth. But there's the other extreme where where basically God gives instruction and people follow through and God brings the victory and everybody's everybody's good or the ministry started or the or the you know the house was bought and then there's some opposition and rather than going to God saying should we stay or should we go they just assume that because God gave it to them they should never let it go and I've seen so many churches ministries activities that were birthed out of out of the moment birthed out of out of um you know, an, an amazing victory that was needed against, uh, you know, against injustice or against innocence. And and then they just assume this is where God wants us to stay forever. We'll never move on from here. 
and the ministry is besieged by the enemy, and eventually the ministry is destroyed. It just becomes so small, and so the the influence is so my you know uh, uh, minimized that they end up being uh, destroyed. I mean, that's really what ends up happening. They they go through the motions, but there's there's no there's no impact on the nation anymore. We we need to be wise. We need to be discerning. We need to be in a place where we listen to God. Even after you know, even after the first time, I guess. <laughs> David went to the Lord. Remember, he went to him twice because he got. He got some questions from his men, which is awesome. He got confirmation from the Lord. He moves forward. He had, he wins the city. The city is his. He could have easily said, this is it. This is everything. But he didn't. He didn't. He was willing to keep asking the Lord, what do you want me to do next? He was willing to stay and take the opposition. That's the other thing too, right? He was willing to stay and, and and fight Saul if that's what the Lord wanted. He just wanted to know, is Saul coming? Will this will the city stand with me or are they going to eventually turn me over? Cuz we all know he's going to lay lay siege to the city. That's how that's how you win these battles. And we'll figure, you know, basically David was like, I can figure out the the military part. I just need to know if I need to. I need to know if I need to stay here. And the Lord's like, "No, you you need to go." Because it's it'll get ugly. David's like, all right, then I'm out. I will say there's probably a few families back in the wilderness that were like, no, you're making the wrong decision. I don't think it was a unanimous, uh, you know, all in. The men probably were fine because they had they had gained more trust and confidence in David. Maybe they sense some of the tension in the city. Like, these guys aren't all for us. Like, they're glad we saved them, but but I'm kind of glad we're going. It's probably a good idea. Or when David said to him, listen, guys, I, I got, uh, I spoke with the Lord. I asked if these guys would turn us over to Saul when he gets down here, and he said yes. And, and there were probably some men that were like, yep, I believe that. I believe that. We should go. Well, where are we going to go? Well, we we probably shouldn't go back to our families. I mean, if Saul's sending down an army, we probably should avoid our families. I'm thinking we head up this this mountain, you know, ridge. I'm thinking we head down to the valley of wherever. I I think we just kind of we we'll leave the livestock and all the spoils for our family so they're provided for. But we're gonna we're gonna hit the wilderness, and that's what they did. Yeah. They would move from one cave structures to another and just kind of live off the land. It's not a it's not a glamorous lifestyle. It would have been safer, at least for a little while, to stay in that city. But David had the wisdom to check in with God. He had the wisdom to confirm it with with conversations of with trusted advisors and with the high priest and in the end he made the best decision
in the end, he kept people alive. There you go. There you go. I hope I hope you guys are having a great day. I got to get on with my morning. Maybe I'll do another one today. I don't know. But you wouldn't know anyways because it's a podcast. So My producer will, will put this out next week. And we'll just continue the story. Have yourself a fabulous day, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Epic Narrative. If you have questions for Bob or would like to reach out for booking, please email us at thebobswitzer at gmail.com or visit thebobswitzer.com. If you haven't already, please subscribe to The Epic Narrative Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. See you next week for another chapter in our story on The Epic Narrative.